She kissed Drake a while back and then kind of disappeared. Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian McCourt. The more things change, the more they stay the same. We're creeping into week two of Euro 2016 and yet... France are still pants, England are still fighting hard, both on and off the pitch, and Germany are still better when Yogi Love gets the finger out. Thank the Lord then for the underdog heroics of Iceland and Northern Ireland. Here to talk about all that and more is Paddy Higgs, Hello, Kasper Schmick, hey. and Fabian Gorsler. Hey, hey. Kasper and Fabian, you haven't been in the podcast with us since the Euros kicked off. How have you guys been enjoying it so far? Um, I sort of think it's mediocre entertainment so far. Um, I mean, I, what I find interesting is um, how the small teams are outperforming the big ones, it seems. Um, some um, some hiccups like the Northern Ireland game yesterday. But um, yeah, we haven't seen many goals yet. It's, it's a different kind of tournament um, because, you know, teams are also motivated to maybe qualify as a third, as one of the fourth, uh, four third spots. So, yeah, it makes it all very different. But I guess the match day has become more interesting um, on match day two and three. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, it's a bigger tournament, more small teams. So I'm kind of torn between wanting small teams to advance and wanting to see the big teams play each other because kind of, you know, that's what you want. You want to see a Portugal against a Germany or an Italy against a Spain. You don't really want these small teams around, but then you kind of do. So it's difficult. As a fan of Ireland, I'm going to say I want the small teams <laughs> going well, through every single time. It has it has come at the quality of the of, of the football, though. Um, you know, you think so, of, yeah? Yeah, as Casper says, when everyone considers themselves a chance to go through, and, you know, by the last match day, there's probably only going to be two or three teams that are completely out of it, if that. Um, so everyone thinks they've got a chance. Even a team like Poland, who uh, I would put you know, considerably above a Northern Ireland, for example, um, they know against Germany, if they get a point, then one more result and they're through, and, and possibly through in second. So it's a it's a real open range. You know, these, these, these teams can really fancy themselves at getting through, and then anything can happen. Uh, you mentioned Poland, and that's where I want to start today. I've got a quote from Gregor Szykowiak, the Polish midfielder. He said, uh, regards the, the, the nil-all draw with Germany last night. It's a bit of a pity. We created more clear-cut chances to score. It's a good result, but it could have been better for us. Kasper, what do you make of that? Well, I think he's right. Um, Germany were a bit lucky um, uh, that Milik missed the ball twice hmm. um, and oh. kind of had this header go centimetres wide. You know, on the other hand, uh, Poland didn't do much more than having those chances. Really, they had the more clear-cut chances. Yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna go by that, that's uh, true. It was almost harder for Milik to miss than it was to score. That one where he, uh, yeah, it was almost like a, a dummy, wasn't it? The header no, I'm yeah. talking about. Oh, the, the header, header just, sorry, just yeah. after, yeah. just after half time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. really, really bad. I, I think in that situation, uh, Boateng might have gotten the slightest touch on the ball, but he probably put put him off so much that he didn't expect the ball to actually get to him. Um, and that's why he, he couldn't direct it properly in the in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, I think you're being a bit too kind to uh, to Milik, maybe. Um, something tells me you have strong feelings about the performance of uh, Julian Draxler and perhaps Mario Goetze. Yeah, I think those two guys um, are the first candidates to um, to sit on the bench um, in the next in the next group game. I mean, Germany are looking in a in a good position to qualify. Um, so I think Löw will will try something else in the next game because Poland were sitting so deep, um, 
and Germany really needed some sort of impulse um, over the wings um, and, you know, fast, direct play, something that Draxler and Götze are actually good at, you know, sort of one-twos and and sort of nifty um, interchanges and so on. But um, Draxler cut inside all the time, you know, as if he hadn't heard the, the tactical um, sort of um, um, job he had to do from Löw. Um, and always slowed down the game. Uh, Götze was invisible apart from having two pretty good chances, actually. Um, I, w I would hope for some more power on in the front um, through Mario Gomez. And maybe he has to give a chance to somebody like Leroy Sané or Podolski on the wing. Ooh, Leroy Sané, that's a name we haven't heard much of. Yeah, in in I mean, this tournament, I mean. Yeah, I mean, and, and he is the... I think the youngest guy in the squad, or at least one of the youngest guys, one of the most experienced, uh, inexperienced players, but um, he's fast, he, um, he's courageous, um, he might as well give it a go. Fab, you're a, you're a Germany fan as well. Would you, would you like to see Sané on the team? I would. Um, I do disagree with uh, Draxler. I thought Draxler was all right. Goetze was anonymous. Draxler was okay. He was trying to create things. But I do agree that there needs to be a change, and I think Sané's experience or inexperience, rather, and his his innocence almost at this tournament might be a good thing for Germany. I think the German players are overthinking things, and if they bring on, you know, a Zane or somebody who who doesn't really have anything to lose, who's going to try and create and and give 150% to impress to play someone who doesn't have a sure spot that might be the best thing for Germany in the next game. I'm actually a little bit with Fab here. I would like Draxler to have another go with someone like a Gomez up front, so I'm sort of with both of you if that makes sense. I think Draxler was probably hamstrung by the tactics that Louvre has, has put onto this team with, with Götze being the, the false nine. And I think trying to play through that defence last night was impossible. Draxler might benefit from having a, a bit of a target to aim for. Then he's got the option to go wide or to cut back in and thus pulling the defence out, out of a bit of shape. One of the things that frustrated, consistently frustrated me about watching this match last night is that they continued to play so much through the middle when it was obvious that there was a lot of Correct. space out wide I mean uh, and, and that's where Germany were having their most uh, their most prominent attacks if you looked at any stage I think after about 20 minutes Poland kind of reorganised and you know moved, shifted the midfield much closer to the defence so you basically had two banks of four literally you know standing on the edge of the 18 yard box why didn't I mean surely Love should have made a you know more tactical switch earlier to, to, to go against that no? Yeah, I think um, I think his tactics were off, as Paddy said, and his reaction to the flow of the game was also off. He was very slow in in bringing players off, bringing new players on, um, and I think uh, he has to take as much of the blame as the players for the disappointing result. Yeah, I think you know he's he seems to be really curbing uh, the ability of his midfielders to cross or his attackers to cross. Yet he seems quite happy for his fullbacks to cross. And when we see with Hector and Hovedes, both of them are not accomplished crosses. So it's almost wasted a little bit, and, and it's like things are back to front. Hovedes is a terrible crosser of the ball, by the way. Something I realised last night. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he. I thought he was. Uh, he was obviously uh, played a very important role during the 2014 World Cup, but he's he's not in there for his ability to get behind defences well, and crossing. Well, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you, Casper. Is that um, Hovedes? I mean, there's got to be somebody else that could play there because they're they're screaming out for an attacking full back to to rampage up that right hand side. Hovedes isn't centre back by nature. I mean, it's he it's he's not the role for it, is he? He's not the person for it. 
Yeah, I mean, he said himself he's not going to be uh, a new Danny Alves. Um, and, um, <laughs> that's um, that's a pretty sober way to look at things. Uh, so, yeah, it's a typical Löw thing again um, with Hövedes. Um He trusts the guy. Um, he had a solid 2014 World Cup, but even then, um, people didn't really see him in the starting 11. You know, he wasn't a 100% starter and and somebody to to put all your trust in. So... Um, I'm a bit surprised that, especially after that injury-ravaged season, um, Hovind is, is is here now, and sort of um, his place in the first eleven is set in stone. Um, Emre Chan could maybe do it. Um, you know, he's got more sort of drive forward, but with him, he he sometimes seems to be a bit over motivated. So um, Löw <laughs> might find that a too risky option um, um, to play. Um, Same with, I mean, Hector on the left um, also didn't really convince me. Really, really offensive yesterday. Um, I was scared that um, um, any Polish counter-attack would totally overrun him or catch him by surprise. But yeah, apart from that, there aren't that many options. I'm a, I'm a big, I mean, Antonio Rüdiger could have played on the on the right. Um, also, I think Mustafi um, is technically more adept than Hovind is. Um, but it's just a sort of uh, it's a trust thing from Löw um, Hovindus has been there for years he's a world champion and that's why he trusts him over over other options what about um, Muller and Ozil is anybody worried about these two players they're distinctly out of form at the moment I'm especially worried about Müller um, because he's so out of the games yesterday he was totally isolated um, had one or two good uh, scenes um where he, you know, passed to Kroos for his chance in the first half um, and and some other things. But, um, yeah, he he doesn't seem to have that um, knack, uh, this genius sort of knack about him that he that he normally has um, that's, that makes him so different to all the other players. Um, Özil, I think, um, is fine. I mean, he's yeah, not, he's not um, um, you know, sort of pulling the strings... Um, But he's he's playing decent games so far. I think nothing to worry about. Yeah, he's better than his at the part. World Cup. He's playing his part. Yeah. You know, um, I think we can't expect to see the Arsenal Özil in this team because there are other really creative forces around him. Um, but Müller, I'm with you on that one, Casper. I think Müller, um, Draxler, Götze, it's just not working. And I th I would like to see what Mario Gomez could do to free up those sort of two attackers around him. I totally agree because. In those games where the small teams, and, and I mean, Poland ha Poland's not a small team, and they still had nine people in the box. Um, you need to be able to get on the wings, you know, to get into the box. Um, and there you need somebody to convert the crosses. And Gomez would be brilliant for that. Klose would have been ideal, yeah. uh, obviously, <laughs> with his heading turn powers. Back but time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it doesn't work the way it does at the moment. Um, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, next up is Northern Ireland. Are Germany going to be worried about that at all? Some good stats about Northern Ireland, actually, before we get into this. You love your stats, don't you? I do. And, of course, with half of my family coming from Northern Ireland, I have rediscovered my passion for the, <laughs> for the team. What uh, a thing football can do, huh? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's purely a coincidence that this I rediscover this passion as soon as uh, Northern Ireland win their first game of the tournament. Sure. But, um, that was the first win at a major tournament since beating Spain at the 1982 World Cup. 34 years ago <laughs> and they were the first British side to keep a clean sheet at the Euros there you go take that England and Wales <laughs> are Germany going to be scared about them? 
Scared of them even? No, I don't think so. I mean, a draw is enough to go through um, for Germany. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they definitely need to find more ideas. Um, Northern Ireland are not going to be more um, attacking than Poland, I think. Um, so they just need to somehow find a way to unlock their defense. Yeah, it's going to be a great test. I mean, we've spoken about Germany's uh, faults and struggles at the moment. Northern Ireland are really going to dig in in this match, really going to dig in. They showed that they can score the odd goal, pop up and score the odd goal, but they'll be after a draw in this one because they know that that's probably going to be enough to get them into third um, at, at the very least. Uh, so it's going to be a really good test for Germany. Um, I wouldn't really, uh, yeah, I, I would certainly be wary of what Northern Ireland can, can offer. Yeah, I think Germany won't be scared, and they shouldn't. But the danger is definitely there that, um, you know, the odd corner or the odd free kick, something will happen. Um, Northern Ireland have some big guys. And um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think... You're reverting to stereotype here. <laughs> A little <Fab>. bit. <laughs> These Irish guys, oh, they're big and they strong. They do. <laughs> they have big guys. I mean, you look at you look at Germany, you know, they've got Boateng and Hummers. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Hovedes, I guess, as well. Okay, Germany have big guys too, I guess. You're right. You're right. You're right. You got me there. Everyone's but, got big um, guys. No, but I think I think that's the only way Northern Ireland will trouble Germany set pieces. Um they will dig in, um but I don't think they will attack like Poland attacked, and that's what I'm trying to say they will uh pose mo- more of a threat on set pieces. I'm going to put it out there that Northern Ireland are going to get a draw. And they're going to be very happy with that draw. We can a, re- a score draw or a nil-nil? I think it'll be a nil-all. Yeah? Yeah. I, I don't see Germany drawing another blank. Not again. I think it'll be tough and it'll be tight, but I think Germany will probably edge it. They will if they keep playing Goethe up front. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Fab, you had your eyes on England yesterday. Yes. What did you make of it all? I mean, they were very lucky. I think... Um, I think... They, in the end, I think they deserve to win. Obviously, they scored two goals and Wales scored one, right? Two one wins. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, I, I think um, as we were watching it, you know, the two substitutions both scored. So it was a great tactical move by uh, Hodgson, but it was the only move he could have done. Kane was really bad. Um, Lalana wasn't great. Uh, actually, the front three wasn't great. Sterling wasn't great either. Sterling was terrible. Yeah, um, but Vardy Vardy scored. But other than that, he didn't really do much. So that's that's why I think they were quite lucky um, to get that goal as well. Um, the ball came off Ashley Williams, fell to Vardy, and he put it in. He did what he had to. He did what he should have done. But it was lucky in the end. Does it? What sort of questions does it raise for Hodgson? I mean, he's he's really had to throw the playbook out the window with with sort of subbing off those guys so early. Um, and you mentioned, of course, yeah, Vardy's come on and scored, but obviously hasn't really involved himself in the game in a, in a particularly heavy way apart from that. So what does Hodgson do now? I mean, I would say that Dyer's working in midfield. Um, I, I think he'll persist with Rooney. I think that's okay. But Dali Ali has his question marks as well, how he's moved in that sort of, that trio as well. Is Wilshire going to be involved? There's 
there's going to be some really big questions for Roy ahead of the next England game. So you say it's throwing the, the playbook out the window. I don't think Hodgson had a playbook to begin <laughs> with. You look at the team, there's no structure to them. He's got the Mark Wilmot's playbook. <laughs> he's the, got the whatever book, yeah. menu he's reading at the restaurant but, at that point. But they're a mess. They re- I, think, I think they're a mess of a side and I would be very surprised despite having... Uh, a lot of a lot of good talented players at his fingertips. If England go very far in this tournament, um, so why uh, why did he mess it up, Roy? Um, because in qualifying they were great. Right? I mean qualification. I mean they're coming up against fairly nothing teams in qualification. With all due respect, I know they won they won all their games, but I, I think when when they get to the bigger stage, and this is this is one of the things I was. I, I can't quite figure out when I watch England is that you have a lot of these very talented players who perform every week uh, on a European stage and on a domestic stage uh, for their club and who are brilliant. You see players like Deli Ali, you see players like Kane and they're, they're fantastic. And then as soon as they pull on an England jersey, it's like they forget how to pass the ball, how they forget how to score, they forget how to play. I, I can't figure it out. The only reason, and this is an age old one, is that it's fatigue. They play a lot more games. There's no winter break. You have, you, I mean, whereas in Germany, in Italy, in Spain, you have that. Whereas in England, they cram in a few more, you know, to to up the up the money. That's the only thing I can come up with. I, either that and and the manager. Whereas you you look at, um, you know, teams like um, like Tottenham, the, the the best example at the moment. Pochettino has all these great English players and can fit them into a system that works. And Hodgson doesn't have that system that works. To me, he gives in to the bigger name players. Like, there's no way Sterling should be on that pitch. He did nothing last season for for Manchester City, and yet he's he's giving him his place. Is uh, that's the that's the only sense I can I can make of the whole thing. One thing I will say in England's favour is that their their back four has been very solid. I think. Walker's probably surprised a lot of people. Walker's yeah. been brilliant. Yeah, yeah he's been um, England's man of the tournament yeah, for me so far. Absolutely. Uh, Joe Hart, obviously, a, a bit of a clanger yesterday, um, but I also think that he's a good enough goalkeeper to be, you know, considered a, a, a decent back five for England. And I think with that stability, uh, that's something that they can build upon. And maybe like Germany, it's only going to take one or two tweaks and things might click a bit for England. But of course, they don't have a, a history of doing it like Germany does. Let's not skip over that Joe Hart thing too quickly. <laughs> that was really atrocious, wasn't it? That was terrible. He had both hands on the ball. He should have stopped the ball. He had both hands on the ball. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to argue with that when you get both hands to it. It was a nice little free kick. I mean, it, it got up and down very quickly and, and was quite low and an awkward height, but he was in a good position for that. He got down to that level, had both hands, but then the wrist let him down. I was watching this on uh, German TV yesterday. Every time I turn on German TV, Oliver Kahn's on. I don't, I don't know if this is like a thing, but he's on everywhere, or he seems to be anyway. <laughs> and he was making the point that um, if Hart had not put a wall in front of that free kick, Bale would never have scored it. That's actually funny. He, he said that because Oli Khan never put a wall um, for shots further than 25 meters. That was his me. thing? Yeah, that was his thing. Like, try to beat me one on one. Yeah. God, that's real Oli but, Khan. I uh, could see him sort of beating his chest <laughs> alpha male cells. Like, Come on, beat me from there. Yeah. It's interesting. Mark Bosnich said the same thing on Twitter as well. But I'm wondering if the wall made it more difficult for him. You know, like, For Hart? Yeah, because, I mean, he, he, he's lost the ball maybe for a split second or two and maybe that's what beat him. I think that's probably what the point that they're, they're trying to get at. Shit. 
<laughs> but that's all right. We can leave that in, Paddy. Don't worry about it. Do we think that Vardy and Sturridge are going to start for the next game, Fab? I think Vardy will start because he scored. Um, I think he will stick with Sterling from the start, though. Oh, um, that's disappointing. I... I'd be surprised if he doesn't. I think the right move would be to start both goal scorers, obviously. Um, maybe re- revert back to a diamond and have two two of them playing in the middle um, with either Ali or Rooney behind them. But I can't see him dropping both Kane and Sterling. I wonder what changes Roy might make because this is probably a game he hoped to swing a few around and mm. bring his little love child Jack Wilshere back into the team ahead of the you know the knockout stages. Don't get me started. Is on he going to do that now? I mean, he, you know, they need to convince, and it's not a time to experiment. It's a time to find the right answers, and and I think uh, that really might dictate. You know, that will dictate, of course, the side he picks. There's one more thing I want to mention about England before we before we leave them. How good is Daniel Sturridge? I see, this is sometimes we forget uh, we forget in the kind of the midst of all the injuries and the strains and all that silly dancing at the corner flag <laughs> he's a really really good finisher he makes things happen too you know he gets in he draws players to him they're worried about him he doesn't always look like he knows what he's doing sometimes but it, it's <laughs> effective isn't it you know like he just he just makes things happen hey another team that don't really look like they know what they're doing at the moment France mm. Boah, they're not very I disagree with this a little bit. What? Yeah, go I'm going to go I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you free out, reign, yeah. go for it. And I will say that Deschamps, for all his faults as a perhaps a tactical man, have, may have made have played this perfectly with his personnel. So obviously dropping Griezmann and Pogba, who, uh, as we sort of identified, Pogba looked like he was trying too much. Griezmann looked like he was a bit overawed in that first game. He's put them on the bench. It's been a pretty rubbish first 60 minutes from France again in the second game. But he brought them on and all of a sudden things seem to click a little bit. And I'm wondering if we're seeing what France is about now. Gritzman's come on and scored. Pogba looks like he's he's ready to pull the strings now. I'm wondering if this is a, a real watershed 30, 30 minutes for France and we will see a different team now. So you think that was the sort of kick up the arse that Griezmann th- and Pogba needed? I think it is. And, and look at the difference it can make for that team. Yeah, but over over 180 minutes, they had a good 20, 20, 30 minutes. I, I, I think it's too small of a sample size to say, okay, next game they're going to go out and boss it like everyone expected them to. But you're only so, as good as your last 20 minutes, Fab. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, sorry, they won both games. Um, they've done something that I think no other team has done so far. Yeah. Uh, so um, what do we care about the group stages? You know, it's all about the knockouts. Mm-hmm. Did anybody else notice how bad the pitch was? I mean, was it... The pitch, or was it the new Adidas boots? Because it seems like all the players that were slipping are wearing these new, um, what are they called, A16 uh, laceless Adidas boots. He says that you know, he says that like he doesn't know what they are, by <laughs> yeah. the way. Like he's sort of searching for it, whereas Fab's probably got a picture of these on his phone. Well, my phone's broken now, but yes, I did have a picture. <laughs> uh, the reason for the terrible pitch at the Stade Velodrome uh, is because they had an ACDC concert on about a month before month before the Euros and Deschamps was furious about this. See, even when you don't let Australia in the Euros, we still find a way to make our impact. I think it happened at the World Cup in Germany as well, uh, in Frankfurt. They had a, con- a Madonna concert a, a month before and yeah, it messed up the pitch as well. Whatever happened yeah. to Madonna? <laughs> She's still alive. I really alive. don't want to know. <laughs> She's still alive. <laughs> Is she still going? 
Yeah, I guess. She yeah. kissed Drake a while back and then kind of disappeared. <laughs> uh, the tangents we can go on. Download One Football, the most comprehensive football app in the world. Joining us on the line to talk about Iceland's amazing efforts against Portugal is Magnus Mart Einarsson, an Icelandic football reporter with footballty.net. Magnus, has the enormity of what happened on Tuesday night sunk in yet, or does it all still seem like a dream? Uh, it felt like a dream maybe at first, but it started to sink in, and uh, and the whole nation is very happy. Obviously, we won the Netherlands uh, twice in the qualification, so everybody knows that team is capable of really everything. So, so but it's, it's dream to start with a point against Portugal, the first goal at the Euros for Iceland uh, ever. So, so it's great. Uh, you, you're someone who's been following the rise of this generation of Icelandic players very closely so you'll know how well they've played dur- during qualifications like you said they beat the, the Dutch side twice uh, so did it come as any surprise to you at all? I'm always optimistic and I said we will get a point against uh, Portugal uh, most people were, were didn't think that but uh, I was really optimistic and I don't know this team can do anything but I can admit uh, when we won nil down I was, I was not as optimistic and I thought because Portugal are pressuring, they will just win the game. But but the character in the team is is brilliant, and they came back in the second half and did very well. So, so yeah, I'm very optimistic now. We we can go to the last sixteen and win Hungary tomorrow. You mentioned that you were you know pessimistic after the the goal went in, but one of the aspects of the performance that really impressed me was how unfazed the players seemed after going down. Uh, we've seen other teams, yeah. yeah. We've seen other teams freeze at this level, but they they were very level headed about it all. Yeah, yeah, they are, and uh, I, they, they, Portugal had the pressure for for like twenty minutes in the in the first half, the last twenty minutes. Then they scored the goal and had some chances, Nani with a header and all. But but uh, because it was only one nil at half time, I, I, then you, we always had chance because uh, Lars and, and Hamer, the coaches are are very good, and I, I think they just spoke to the players. I felt time and told them just play like you did for the first 15 minutes in the game and you'll be alright and, and the players did like that and, and uh, I think if you look at the players and the team everybody has a good game so you can be very happy with the performance Magnus do you think playing Portugal in the first game was important for Iceland you mentioned now that the hopes are high that they will progress through the group do you think it was probably better that they played what should be the toughest game um, for them in the group straight off so they can sort of look at sort of what's to come after it was very vital to get to this point because now we need only need three points to go through and and obviously this game against Hungary tomorrow is is very very important and the point is good for Hungary but but we we need to win because we need these three points to go out of the group and and uh, but I think Hungary and Iceland may be a little bit similar teams uh, both good defensively and I think it'll be a tight game maybe one or two goals in the game but but hopefully we will get this goal and go through. What was the reaction to uh, Ronaldo's sour-mouthed comments after the match? Have they been burning his jersey in the streets of Reykjavik? <laughs> no, not really. But people are, but but people are. Some people are angry. Some people are just laughing about it. It it, it all depends. But uh, myself, I just laugh because he has played against uh, small teams over his career. He has never made many comments like this, and I thought it was disrespectful because. What did he expect? Did he expect Iceland to go all out of track against Portugal? I don't know what he expect. It's, of course, we celebrated after the game. It was our first game at the major tournament, our first point on a major tournament against a team like Portugal. So, so why should we celebrate? It's a good point for us and, and give us a good chance to go through. So, 
I, I really don't know where he's talking about small mentality like that. We are only 330,000. It's an incredible achievement just to get a point on a major tournament. So, of course, we celebrate a little bit. Talking about the incredible achievement, do you think that expectations have changed now that you have you know, played your first game, scored your first goal, and gotten your first point? Uh, yes, of course. Uh, people in Iceland are now expecting more. And, and, and But but the players and, and the coaches said before the tournament, we want to go through. Because uh, you have good chance with maybe three teams out of the group. So you have good chance to go through at this tournament. So the players and, and coaches talk about that before the tournament. And there was optimistic in Iceland, the people. But, but now everybody is much more optimistic at this great result against Portugal and, and People are buying tickets to France to watch the game on against Hungary and also a game against Austria. Everybody in Iceland wants to be here in France and, and witness this great tournament. You mentioned before that, that Hungary is the next game. I mean, they pull off their own surprising results. Um, how are the team feeling about this one? Are they, are they nervous or are they just really excited to, to get playing again? Uh, exciting, I think. Uh, everybody's really exciting and, and now we got our first uh, point. Now we want to get our first win at the major tournament. So that's the next aim. And uh, the player was level-headed and, and straight after the Portugal game, they, they were speaking about next game. Now we have to put this, the Portugal game back and, and just concentrate on next game against Hungary. And, and that's what the players are doing now. And, and also the fans, it's a national holiday in Iceland now. So it will be good atmosphere today and, and also tomorrow in Iceland. And, and also here in France, we have, we have 9,000 fans going to the games tomorrow. It's, it's uh, incredible because we're only 330,000, so it'll be a great party in, in Marseille tomorrow. Okay, before we let you go then, Magnus, uh, final prediction? Uh, we win two, two, tomorrow. I think we'll score in the first half and then the Hungary will go out and try to, to get the equalizer and we'll get one on the break in the end and win 2 0. That was Magnus Mar Einersen, an Icelandic football reporter on footballty.net. So Iceland, eh? I don't know if you guys saw this these pictures the other day, but during the match when Iceland were playing, they had a picture of the busiest road in Iceland just completely bare. There was nobody on it. Nobody could be seen for miles. They were all ensconced in their houses or pubs watching the watching the match. Yeah, well, I think he, he sort of mentioned before there's already nine thousand fans uh, in France. He, he also mentioned that more are going over, so there's not going to be left uh, anyone left there to, to sort of go to work the next day, are there? Yeah. <laughs> there's some amazing stats going around. Like, what is it, like 8.8% of the population of Iceland is in France at it's the incredible. moment? Incredible, yeah. 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 Those fans have been amazing too, haven't they? They look good in the blue. You know, they look good in the blue. As impressive as the result was and the team, the fans that, I don't even know what it is, the war cry or the, the, the chant where they go, woo, woo. And then it's just <laughs> silent. I mean, the silence is almost scarier or def- more deafening than, than the chant. It's, it's incredible. It reminds me of that scene in Jurassic Park with the water glass and, you know, the boom and it's starting the ripple start and stuff like that. You exactly. Know, it's just the anticipation of this building up and... Yeah, that sums them up. Did you like Jurassic Park? Which one? <laughs> well, I, n- I never saw any of the other ones. I only ever saw the first Jurassic Park. First one's good. There's probably no need to watch any of the others. I didn't like the new one very much. Either. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm younger, but I really like the new <laughs> one. I remember when Jurassic Park came out and what a... The, the sense of anticipation around the world when that came out. That was amazing. Days gone by. <laughs> Days gone by. Okay, that's all from us today. Uh, go to iTunes, download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, and while you're there, you should download One Football too. You can also get in touch with us via SoundCloud, Twitter, and Facebook at One Football. Thanks for listening. I love-
Thank you.